we're back to talk about Coraline. Which I was grateful that someone suggested it and that you picked that one, because I don't remember what else was on the list. That was definitely, it was definitely the top three of the ones that was, I think, sincere and good picks. What was some of the, like, tragically bad picks? I, I think Alan Mendes had a tragically bad pick. But it was some really obscure manga that he was you know, subjecting us to. Well, while you're looking that up, I will say that I was glad because I had watched the Coraline film in the theaters, but it had been, like, when it came out, so I don't, rem- I didn't remember it too much. Just a vague, a vague memory. So getting to watch it again was good. The problem I had, I told you before, is I read the book last night and this morning, and then immediately popped in the DVD and started watching the movie. Mm-hmm. And I probably did a disservice to the movie in that. I should have given it a couple days. Yeah, I think it probably would have been better for your... your. But in, in another way, it really helps me kind of differentiate between the book and the movie, the differences and what I like and didn't like about it. Yeah, you'll this. get that better than I will because I it watched this quite a bit ago at this point. No, I, just, I was... Or read it quite, you know... Right, right. Yeah, you watched it more recently, but you read it quite a bit ago. I read the, I watched the movie yesterday. It, like, I was, a, I was like, no, I, I like that I can kind of be like, okay, they made this decision, and this is why I like it or don't like it. Yeah, Alan suggested a Bomber Girl. I don't think I've heard of that. It's a manga that... Involves yeah, bombs and girls? I guess. Um, it's just a Frankenweenie. Hmm. That would have been nice, too. Yeah. Are you picking your own this time? I haven't seen a poll. I am, I am picking my own this time. Okay. I pick my own for the foreseeable future. All right. I'm excited about that. I mean, I like my pick, too. We'll, we'll see whether you do or not or whether that will be the thing that breaks us up. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think it breaks us up. I think it makes the death, I think it makes the death spiral tighter <laughs> so that it will ensure your death. Well, we'll see. You may But it will be mutually like it. assured we'll destruction. You're not going to like it, but there's always that chance. I feel it's important, though. It's an important part of my character. So, we're talking about Coraline. Coraline, very. do you want to do this one? I did the last one. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, this is, in theory, my pick. Could have had Ink, you know, send in a recording of it, but... <laughs> that would have been a good idea next time. Yeah, next, next time I do a poll like th- thing like this. They have to introduce the plot. Yes. So the idea of Coraline is we have this girl named Coraline Jones, who's who her and her parents move into this house, and her parents are, in the book for me, they were sort of more aloof, let's, was the way I interpreted it. Let, yeah, let's, let's, let's pause through the plot, because that's, that hits on a topic I wanted to discuss. Okay, so, you know, her parents really aren't active in her life for one reason or another, and so she just starts to explore the house, and she discovers that there is a similar to what we previously discussed, a door to an alternate dimension of sorts within the house where there's a much more idealized, you know, initially idealized version of parental life, of family life. And we discover that the other mother in this world is actually an evil thing that eats souls. And in both, she's represented as somewhat spider-ish. Yeah. I'm going to guess taken from Stephen King's It is what... I'm most associated that with. I no, you know, I don't. I associate spiders with a, a couple of things. I think even Stephen King pulls this, from things like Tolkien. Okay. So, so pulling that deeper fantasy yeah, mentality. It even mentions Coraline in the novel. Uh, even mentions a 
She doesn't straight out say she has a uh, fear or phobia of spiders, but it's inferred. Very strongly. Yes. So, we did both in the novella, which is, it can be considered nothing more than it's a novella. It's listed as a novella, no, no, you know, novella or children's book. Because this is not, you know, this is this book is meant really for a young audience, you know. It is very, as I... Pre-teen, probably is the I just target got, audience for me. The movie, yes. That's or, no, I'm sorry, the film, or, damn it. The book, yes. The book, yes, the film, no. Okay. And we'll, I'll get into that. But, um, the, it's, uh, just for the people who care, uh, 163 pages. It's a short, it's, it's again, you're not aimed at a adult audience. Not at all. It's a fairy tale. Yeah. And, but it's, it's really a fairy tale. Like, in the nitty gritty, we're not hesitating to talk about nasty things fairy tales. Yes, it is in the Grimm's, you know, old tradition of these things and, and this is one of the reasons, one of the things that differentiates the novella from the movie to me is that in the novella, these things are talked about and it's scary, but Caroline deals with them in such a matter-of-fact and conscientious way that I think it would be okay for kids. Whereas, you watch the movie, and it can get kind of fucking messed up, and I think it would be overly scary for too young of an audience. I think even preteen would be fine with the movie, though. It depends. The preteen encompasses 12 years of life. I, well, I, to me, preteen defies 10 to 12. I think it depends on the 10 to 12-year-old. I'm also a fan of making sure children are, you know, terrified of things that are good, have, good scar, have good scarring from their media. Well, isn't that pleasant of you? <laughs> Look, if you don't have some good, you know, good, scar, good media scars... So, one of the major differences I see right off the bat is the parents. Because mm-hmm. in the novella, it's much more of a... It's from Coraline's point of view, and they lock into that right... He came, Gaiman locks into that right away. But you, as an adult, can read this and kind of see, like, her parents aren't really too mean or aloof. They're, they're just parents who are working from home, and they're... Doing they're their work. busy, yeah. They're not mean in any no. sense. They pay more attention to her than a lot of parents do. And then the parents in the film. Oh my god, the parents in the movie are... Mean. Are miserable people. They're they're mean and miserable, and they have very few redeeming qualities until magically at the end, it's okay. I, the, the way, I mean, you know, I can almost rationalize that in that. So throughout the movie, they're working on this gardening catalog. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at the end they get it published. And maybe that's a way, you know, burden off their shoulders, but sort of even that is a bit of a stretch. Absolutely. And I, like, that was a... The miserable to everyone. That was very jarring for me, having just read the novel. Yeah, and I mean, again, I read the novel probably in September or all, you know. Right. And so even my bad memory of reading things, I'm like, the, the mother was never... A terrible human being. No, not at all. Not at in the, all. In the book. And there are a couple of points that they do in the movie, like, regards to the parents that they don't do in the book, that are still kind of nice. Like, um, like in the book, she wants special boots, and she doesn't get them. And But in the, in the movie, she wants gloves. And she doesn't get them right away. But, like, once the gardening catalog's in, she gets that little present of, of those gloves. And that was nice and everything. So like, but the so the parents still like I I think Gaiman wrote a much better treatise. They feel on like that. you know, again not the perfect parents, but they still feel like how parents are you know quote unquote supposed to be. Right, they're busy parents, but they still care about her. Yeah, 
And then they, they let her get away with a lot of stuff in the, in the novella that they don't like in the, in the movie. She just eats what they make her eat and everything mm-hmm. in the book right away. Like she doesn't like it when her dad cooks things and uses recipes. So like, if she doesn't like the food, she just goes to the fridge and cooks other food and both. She's very self-sufficient. Yes. Like, she, I mean, it makes it like that she could, you know, not live by herself. I mean, like, clearly she can't live by herself. But. No, but she gets she gets a couple days in before she starts really, like, you know, being like, wow, I wish someone was around. Yeah. But, like, you know, she gets a cut. She takes care of it. She can cook her own food if she has to. That kind of thing. Um, the other – one of the other major differences, I think, is that the, the film makes a much more of an effort into putting in some sort of foreboding backstory. They include a male character – for her to be friends with. And his grandmother, which kind of leads into, oh, this, like, tries to explain more about house is now, house. you know, you right. know, it goes from weird to the haunted house. Right. Like, her, her twin sister was lost to this other mother, mm-hmm. and it, it, like, tries to justify, like, it tries to create more of an atmosphere and more of reasoning, which, you know, in this horror little fairy tale, I don't know that it's it required. Need one. I don't think it needed one. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's another, I feel, weakness. And they, uh... Yeah, the movie uh, comes off a little weaker after watching, after reading the book, you know, even even for me. Now, that said, I have a couple of things that I really liked about the movie. For one, I really love the voice acting. Especially, like, anything that, uh, oh, what's his face? Uh, I John just, Hodgman. No, actually. Um, Ian McShane is in. Anything that Ian McShane puts his voice to, I love, because Ian McShane's awesome, and he was swearing in Deadwood, and he is Captain Awesome. Yes, he is a great actor in things like uh, Death Race. I don't the think remake. Seen, I don't think I've seen the remake. Oh, you should see the remake. That's pretty I, I enjoyed it. But, um, I'm not going to say it's pretty good. I want to say I enjoyed it. That's, I think, the more safe phrase. I also think um, they changed... A lot of the internals, like what happens, but I think they change them in ways that I encourage. For instance, her she has a Coraline has a guest. She's a very explorer character, and she has to explore. And one of her so in order like that, the main like I have to beat the other mother is they play a game, and within this game, it's an exploring game, and she has to find the souls of these children that other mother has taken over the years and her parents. And the means to do that are different between the novella and the movie. And I think that the movie was very right in changing that for themselves because what they did was they capitalized on the fact that it's a nice stop motion production and that they could really do some amazing things visually I, I, you know, where this film succeeds is, in, is its visuals right so changing the plot to use those visuals more but still maintain the spirit of the story I would greatly encourage yeah, I mean this is honestly it's an example of a good adaptation of my life. absolutely where it takes the elements that work for the story is not slavishly devoted to the novella exactly they change it because changing it makes it better at certain points well because Again, and this is a fact of adaptations. You know, Neil Gaiman is a great writer of the, the written word. Mm-hmm. But when you're adapting to a visual medium, you have to make changes for it to work in that way. Absolutely. And I think that YB is there for someone to give her someone to talk to. He, he, in, 
I'm a very mixed mind of him in certain ways. I, I don't think, think he's a good character, but I think it's a uh, a way of instead of having there being too yeah. much internal dialogue and too much of that. Right. I know why he's there. Yeah. I just don't really like. I don't him. think he's a good. I don't think I don't like him either. And I don't like what he represents in terms of adding like backstory. Mm-hmm. But um. So yeah, you have that, and I, I agree that it's probably better that not do too much of her talking to herself. Although I think she does that very well too. Who did this? Oh, this is. Elle's sister. Yes, this is it's the, a fanning yeah, week. I, I noticed that this week is, is fanning week. <laughs> even though, you know, Elle fanning was in like one episode. And a scene. True. But I'm just saying, yes. Elle and Dakota together. Yes, we have both, we have both the fanning sisters. And uh, next time we'll be doing uh, War of the Worlds just to make, you know, keep up our fanning, you know, so we all go, you know, deaf from hearing her scream for an hour. <laughs> I didn't, I don't want to watch War of the Worlds. Please don't make me. <laughs> I don't, I don't hate you. <laughs> Or myself. I want. I went to the theater to see that. So did I. It was tragic. I saw it in the tower it was filmed. I live in the tower where it was filmed. It was tragic. Up in the tower where it was filmed. Yeah. If we do War of the Worlds, we'll do the original. Thank you. I'd love to do that, and I'd love to hear the like the original original like radio play. But in any case, um, so yeah, like the voice acting was good. Some of the changes were brilliant. The visuals were astounding. Oh, the color design is the 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 look of the other world. Uh, the look of the other world, the the the, the fact that the garden. This is subtle. That it's very gray. Mm-hmm. It's very just you know. It's not. It's muted color. I'm not gonna say gray. It's just muted colors. A much more psychedelic look. Bright colors in the other world. It was also warmer very, colors. I like that it was very obvious to Coraline too, because at one point she goes to sleep so she can wake up in her real world, and she wakes up and she hasn't transferred over. She immediately knows. Mm-hmm. And there were obvious, there were a few obvious clues, but I kind of like to think that she just felt that she could just tell it's yeah. different. We you know, the air feels different. That everything just feels different. Oh yeah, and I liked that, and I liked um, the visuals for other mother, like as she starts changing mm-hmm. and not like going from being much like by the way Terry Hatcher plays the mom and other mother, and going from that mom figure to like. More mom spider and yeah, and increasingly in that direction. She she goes like bad way quicker in the film. Yeah, there is it doesn't last that long of her being. But and on the other side of things, Coraline makes that jump back and forth way more in the film. Mm-hmm. Like in the novella, I think, I think she came back two once. or three. Yeah, maybe twice she goes to the other world. And it wasn't a dream either. She didn't no. go to sleep. She never wanted to go to sleep in that world. She always came back mm-hmm. through the doorway. So, like, there were some inconsistencies that I think were stronger in the book in terms of that. But, like, you're right, like, and they did really capitalize on the visuals with her being a spider and, like, having more, like, webbing. And the world, like, one of the things I liked and didn't like, yeah, in the film, she was a spider and that world was her web. And it started unraveling towards the end when she was, like, losing and, like, I guess psychically weakened. Yeah. Whereas what I really liked about the novella was there's a scene with the cat who's her, like, boon companion throughout this. But as cats are, which means he can leave her if he wants to. Um, where he discusses Other Mother and infers that this this place she's in that's attached to this house she's, has been there. And she's just kind of, she found she's it the and she took it. She occupies yeah. the space. So, like, I like that concept that this isn't necessarily hers. She's just building a web here, so to speak. Uh, yeah, that, that I think is a sort of, like, cre- is a, that seems creepier to me in the mm-hmm. sense that she's built this and she's this massively powerful it, creature. That, that, as well as the fact that there is no real backstory, like, with the grandma or with the other mm-hmm. kids, 
between those two things, like, and also the kids in the film try and explain things too much. Like, she took our eyes and with them our souls. And and in this, it wasn't like the – they really made a big deal in the film about the fact that all, everyone's eyes were buttons in the movie. And in the book, it was just like – The buttons. Yeah, and it was mentioned like once or twice. Mm-hmm. And it's still terrifying because they're still like, well, if you want to stay here – these buttons gonna, are fucking creepy on eyes. We're going to need to sew buttons on your eyes. Yes. But, like, they didn't overdo it. They, they, I mean, they take that to be more of a motif in the movie than it was in the book. Right. They only mention it with the dad, really. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe vaguely with other mother. Other than that, she never really mentions other characters having buttons for eyes. Well, there really weren't too many other characters. There was, like, no, but there were, like, everyone had their own little... Yeah, there was, like, there was, there was, everyone had their alternate version. Oh, by the way, before we continue further, while we're talking about other characters... We should really talk about the film versions of Mrs. Forcible and Spanx. Forcible and Spanx. What was that? That was not child friendly. No, <laughs> you know, it. See, the there were half nude, really big women flinging themselves about the stage. It reminded me of the James and the Giant Peach movie, kind of. Never saw it. Okay, well, that was a window. What are those good horrifying movies from my childhood? I think I think it was the same director. I wouldn't be. Right. I wouldn't be surprised. I think. But again, that had the similar character. I mean, that's based on a Roald Dahl novel, so that's going to be horrifying. Yeah, and that was him. Yeah, so again, so. And Night before, before Christmas. Yeah, I knew, I, knew, I knew it was Night Before Christmas. I wasn't sure if he had done James the Giant. No, Peach. he did Life Aquatic. Really? Apparently. No, that was a um, Wes Anderson film. But he obviously was. Involved in some sequence of that or something. <laughs> oh, he did the stop motion animation in Life Aquatic. Well, yeah. With the shark. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, so that makes sense. Yeah. That's kind of cool. But he, he's one of the go-to directors for, you know, creepy children films. I'll have to watch James and the Giant Peach now. It might still be on Netflix. I don't remember too well, but I remember, you know, being one of those movies that I have vague memories of it, and they're all horrifying. All right, this won some awards for music. Do you remember the music? No. Was it, like, impactful to you? I don't remember the music, but it must have worked for the film. I'm sure it did work for the film, but I don't think it was so, like, impactful to me that I, I can even recall it now. I'm going to three watching just thinking about the music next time. Yeah. I mean, I really wasn't thinking about the music. Because if it, if it was done in the right way, then if I don't notice it, but it worked for the film, it worked for the emotions I was, had, you know, that I was trying to evoke at the time. I think the, I think the visuals overshadow so much. Yeah, I mean, this, everything. Is, this is such a visual piece, and I think that's, you know, everything the studio like is done. Well, I think that that's one of the places where Gaiman and I think his frequent, like, collaborator, um, Danny Elfman, really. Like they're like they they've worked together before too, and like obviously Gaiman works with other people, and like anything that people adapt from his brain seems to work really well in this kind of format. Well, I think people also yeah, he's he's a lot of stuff to pick from, and sure they're they're very smart about what we can adapt. He's a lot of you know he's written for pretty much every age group. You think we're gonna see speaking of things like that, we're gonna see a Graveyard Games, which I haven't read yet, but it's on my list to read. I mean, it's another kid book by him, kind of like creepy. Are they are they doing it as a stop motion? Is uh, the same? I don't. I'm just wondering if we're going to see a film like that, like since Coraline actually did pretty well. Well, I mean, they have. I mean, this is the you know the studio's done two films since then. They haven't come back to his content yet. Mm-hmm. Interesting. It doubled its movie and more than doubled its budget. Oh, that's good. Because I mean, again, that studio has been you know not, not cranking a huge amount out, but they've been doing. They just had their third film this year, which is Box Trolls, and so they've been. Chugging along at a decent clip and, you know, making okay to good movies. You know, this yeah, this, mean, and, this and Frank and Winnie, I think, are you know, both... I still have to see Frank Both and Winnie. Not Frank and Winnie. This and um, 
Paranorman. Oh, right, right, right. Are both, you know, sort of top films for me. Of, I, I love Paranorman. I I saw it once. I remember liking it, but I don't really recall anything about it. No, that was, I think, you know, that, I love Paranorman. I think that, I mean, I think Box Trolls wasn't as strong as the other two. Hmm. But I think it was still a good animated piece, I think. Have you seen it? I haven't seen I saw it in theaters. Okay. Yeah, I've, I, I made sure, you know, it was like a, I'll say it. Oh, um, speaking of things that came out of theaters and breaking subjects, as we often do, I know you saw Big Hero 6, mm-hmm. and thumbs up or thumbs down real quick. Thumbs to the side. All right, you, that's sad, because I was hoping that you'd like that. I haven't seen it, so. And have you seen Interstellar yet? Not yet. I'm welcome to see it this upcoming weekend. I want to see it in the 70mm format. I'm just going to throw that out there, that everyone who I've talked to has really insisted that you see it in IMAX. Yeah, I mean, if I this is one of those, I'm not interested to see it in IMAX, I need to see it in... 70 millimeter real IMAX. Yeah. Yeah, that's very important to me. This is probably the last... People say this might be the last like, IMAX film like that. So, gonna make that effort to go in and see it that way. I've been, like, looking at some um, Tyson's kind of reviews of it, and I really like what he has to say. He, like, he did a bunch of tweets today going through, like, first he went through everything he really thought was good about the film... And one of the things that they do really well, apparently, is they, they, they do scientific accuracy pretty fucking well. I'm not surprised. I mean, they, we get, like, one of these a year now. We had Gravity last year. Like, they, they hired they hired someone to keep them on it who argued, like, apparently, like, he spent two weeks arguing with the create like, with Nolan about stopping. Like, he's like, a character cannot travel faster than light. And he was, like, very adamant about that, and eventually he won. What else is that Nolan, you know, he is, Nolan is an accuracy, reality, grounded person. Even if his films have a, you know, supernatural element to it, he's very, if there's one person who is the poster of a rural science fiction, it is, uh, is Nolan and his crew. The only thing I found a little annoying is that, not about the movie, but about people's reception of it, is that people who really know nothing about scientists, science, and I'm including myself in there, are the ones who are criticizing its science when they went out of their way, except for plot purposes, to lock into a pretty good, feasible science. Basically, their rule was, if it breaks rules we know about, it can't be here. Yeah. I haven't seen it yet, so I can't comment on it. And I look forward to that. I've been avoiding reviews, because if I intend to see something, I will avoid reviews. I will try to avoid trailers. Sure. Try to go in as clean as I can. All right. I want to hear next time. Okay. I'm going to hope to see it on Sunday. Um... But in any case, back to Coraline. I liked both, and I think given distance, I think maybe actually I'm kind of turning around. It was in my best interest to see them so close together. Because if I had given it, we'll say, three days and then watched the movie, I think I would have just been like, these are great. You, yeah, probably, you, you probably wouldn't have noticed as much of the differences. And and I like that I noticed some of the differences, I, because some of them are really good, and some of them were not so good. I mean, I think the, you know, the movie is really good in a lot of ways. And, you know, visual, I think this is a... When I think about what I like about animation, it's when you can do these, mm-hmm. you know, out there visuals you just can't do with other things and make it look like it's a real work, you know, make it look consistent. And this film, even if it is like this, you know, two different worlds, it has a consistent look to it that really just, you know, works for the mood fantastically and works for everything fantastically. If I had to choose between the two, I'd pick the novella. I, I, I'd agree with you on that one. If I, you know. But I don't if, have to. If gun to my head... You know, and I, you know, it's either me or my family has to pick one. Right. I'm gonna pick. The, I'm gonna pick the, uh, the the book here. Right, but I don't have to, and I think they both have very strong points. Yeah, they're 
this is this is one this, between this and the play that I mentioned. I'm really like I'm kind of eager to start delving into gaming, who I really haven't read. Like I'm like except American Gods, mm-hmm. and I think everyone everyone's American read American Gods. Everyone's read everyone's read American Gods, and like half of everyone's read Sandman. Right, I haven't read Sandman, and I'm not interested in that one. But oh, big disappointment for Sandman fans too, since the quarterly book that was locked in the quarterly. Um, for Sandman Overture got delayed again, so it was due out the week of Octo- uh, Halloween, and it's now delayed till December 17th. <laughs> oh, oh. Gaiman is just pissing people off left and right there. Yeah, but see, his fans, I feel like... They'll, they'll still kiss his... Like, like, good, like good fantasy fans, they will take abuse. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, you know, you know yourself, fantasy fans. Oh, yeah, We'll yeah. take whatever abuse that... They- Okay, we gotta wait how many years? Okay. Even my partner, who's a huge fan, like, of gaming, she's just, her response was, oh, Neil, <laughs> what are you doing to us? It's exactly, it's like, oh. it really, I think fantasy fans and sci-fi fans to a level of, like, okay, I'll just take the abuse. I went through my author dying. Yeah, you went, yeah, you went through, the, yeah, you, you suffered through the entire saga of getting the, you know, Wheel of Time series released. Oh. I took a lot of abuse in that, and that taught me that maybe sometimes it's okay to not take abuse. <laughs> sometimes just say no. I, I I don't know. I can't tell you. Like, hindsight, I guess I'm glad I finished that series, but part of me goes, are you sure? Wouldn't it have been maybe better if you didn't know? <laughs> if you just didn't know the ending, wouldn't you be happier or just not? Maybe if, maybe if the other, maybe if Sanderson had also died, just to, just to really make sure that, that that no one can finish this. I absolutely probably would have been happier if, like, his wife, who was his editor and knew everything, would have just been, like, wrote, like, a novella saying, this is what was supposed to happen. <laughs> and that's what it should have been called, too. Wheel of Time, how it should have ended. <laughs> was it a YouTube video? <laughs> I would have been probably happier. But uh. in any case... So that was Carlon, and now we get to discuss what we're giving each other, inflicting each other with next. I say, I'm gonna say giving, like I say inflicting. I agree, but sometimes the reception of that from either side can alter that term. I, I, I think <laughs> I think we have made an effort to not make sure it's not inflicting anymore. You know, we've had our it's and our Evangelions. This, and I'm, I'm I'm really not sure. Um, I'll let you go first, just so you okay. don't change your mind at the last I'm, I'm committed to I've I'm long committed to it. I almost, you know, I'm committed to the next few in a row. I know what they're going to be. I'm not going to change them. What's my much mine? Your next one is uh, Attack on Titan, the 2013. So they're much more recent series. I think this is addressing sort of an issue I've been having with the way I've been doing things here, is that, especially for giving Diego new things, or if they think he hasn't seen, they've really focused on sort of a later, you know, older time period stuff from the 70s, 80s, 90s. And that is sort of ignoring quality stuff made in the most recent time period. I am pretty weak in my uh, my modern anime food. And this, and this, you know, and I think this is a valid criticism of what we've covered. So we've done some movies here and there that are a little newer, but this is a you know very recent, very hot property. Um, and I get to watch the sub version. You can watch the sub or the dub. The, okay. They they made both. It's been shown on American TV at this point. But that's why we were waiting, right? Yeah, we're that. waiting for the for the dub to get released on home video. I also wanted to watch the Blu-ray version, or the home video release, because they, you know, like like how American comics are, where they 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 make some you know tweaks and you know cleanups between the comic and the trade version. Same thing happened with with Japanese TV. Okay. So they cleaned up. They, they cleaned up a lot of it. They you know, fixed some stuff. Something that was just a panning over a still frame is now full animation. Okay. Things like that are now 
fixed here. I think they dropped it. They dropped the recap episode from the excellent from this release. I hate recap episodes. It's if it's in there, it's like episode like thirteen point five. So you'll know when it's called something point five. Uh, you just you can just skip it. All right. So like okay, that's I I had watched the first subbed version of that, and yeah. I, I got turned off by the subs, so I'm happy that there's a dub. And I was backing it back down. From, I was considering backing down, but then I think last week, Marvel announced they're doing an Attack on Titan crossover with the Marvel Universe, so I'm like, him not knowing this is just detrimental to his own job at this point. Great. Um, and it's very popular in the comic stores. I mean, like, my store that doesn't really carry manga at all is still like, we still have Attack on Titan. This is, this is, this is a move. Um, alright, so mine is touching, a little known fact is that once upon a time, I was a folklore major back in the yield state of Indiana, and so we are going to touch a little bit on my folklore geekdom by giving you something near and dear to me that I've discovered in recent years, which is, we're going to give you volume one, and this is, there's an addendum, volume one of Weird New Jersey, but... Part of your assignment isn't just to finish it. Part of your assignment is to pick one thing that's covered in Weird New Jersey and actually go and see it. Now, there are things that I would never encourage anyone to do because they're illegal, and I don't encourage you to do that. But there's plenty of legal things you can go and find in that book to satisfy my... uh... So this is a field trip adventure. Yes. Okay. So you, you get to read Volume 1 of Weird New Jersey, which touches on a lot of, like, lovely folklore things. And one thing I do, I don't like a lot of things about New Jersey, but one thing I do really love is, hands down, and my... And we my have a shit ton research, of folklore. There is a crap ton of very interesting folklore here, whereas in Indiana, let's just say Weird Indiana is not as interesting Well, I, I feel <laughs> like the Northeast as a whole, we've kind of got into this, you know, because it's the oldest part of the country... There's just more weird shit here. There is. And some of it, I've had the tragedy of, like, witnessing the grave. For instance, there's, of course, a big section on the Devil's Tree in um, Weird New Jersey Volume 1. And I went out of my way as soon as I read about it. I'm like, I can find this. So I found it. And every year I go back, just kind of as, like, a landmark. I've done this this year. And every year it gets worse. Like, and to the point where, like, I don't think I'm going back anymore, because when I went back the earlier in this last year, it was just, like, lots of tall grass, and it was, like, impossible to even get to it now, and it's it's really kind of sad, and, and I know it's not, like, a big major landmark, but it's just, like, it's this thing, and you could go see it, and now, not so much. Okay. So this is, of course, based on the magazine, Weird New Jersey, and it's yes. a collection of their best article, I think. Yes. Um, like, yeah, like, I don't know, best is a little relative, but... The collection of the like their major the prominent articles for like the first they do few lots years. of different articles and like so the like each section has like they they chapter it off into like topical things and then they'll talk about like they'll have different articles or different letters that talk about each thing and experiences and it's you know it's parts of it that you won't like maybe or like you know people like oh we were scared and this supernatural thing happened and you'll go ha 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 you foolish pagans. <laughs> Specifically in that voice as I sip my brandy out of my snifter while wearing my cape and then throw the snifter into the fire, causing a huge burst of flame, as I am wont to do on a Friday evening. Of course. When I'm saying, you fools! And I understand that those parts, you know, aren't necessarily for you, but there's a lot, I, I encourage you to look past ignorant 
pagans and like superstition people and look at the fact that this is a very enriched like cultural history that, that's how i probably will read it and i am fascinated in the history of my state and i feel like and i've been thinking about this recently that i because i've been watching ken burns civil war recently and really let's be honest here, new jersey had almost no impact in the civil war there are no battles here so really the last time american new jersey was involved in american history was during the you know American Revolution. Sure. And you'll notice lots, lots of plaques. You know, Washington st- took a ship here once. <laughs> and you see them all around New Brunswick. Thinking to myself, it, it reminds me of the lot. There's a scene in Bedhouse and Broomsticks where the old way the military guy comes in during World War II and says, in this backwater place, and they, the, you know, the old woman of the town says, this was very important in the, 50, in the 500 when Vikings would raid here all the time. Mm-hmm. So I feel New Jersey is sometimes. But hopefully, from that perspective, you might enjoy it and see a little bit more about like about my geekdom in there. So that's that's where we're going for that. And I think that's all we had to cover tonight. Yeah, that's all we had to cover tonight. So until next time. gonna make every human being color with a darkness everyone at the end of the window see where everyone feels so lonely there was no the way back It's how we way to the darkness You don't have to suffer Just live with a wall of dark side Thank you.